Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's good to be together today. Thanks for for being here. And have I told you lately that I love you? And as your pastor, as uh, and speaking on behalf of Tam, our elder team, our pastors, um, you are loved, and we treasure this opportunity to to follow Christ together. Welcome to uh, to those of you who are on fall break. I see two of you here that. Um, coming in from college, and so good to have you. Welcome back to those of you who are away, and hope you had a, a restful time and are rejuvenated, ready to get back after after it here in everyday life. And uh, today we we start this new series called "One Thing I Do." It's taken. We're going to go verse by verse through the book of Philippians, or the letter written to the church in Philippi. And that one thing I do, it's taken from a, a race moment, and often God uses the picture of life, our journey of life, as a race. And Paul writes there right in the middle, and we'll get to it in a couple of weeks, but he says, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I'm pressing on to uh, run the race that, that God's called me to, to win the prize. As you think about your life and the journey of life, and the journey, the ups, the downs, the it's a journey of growth and becoming. Has there been a person who's come alongside of you and just put wind in your sails? A person that their goal was to help you win your race. And I know as you think back on your life, who, who is it that comes to your mind? Anybody showing up? I, I know we all immediately think of who? Mom. <laughs> no one is, is for us like mom is for us. But uh, dad and family, is there a friend that, that comes to your mind or a teacher or a, a mentor, a coach? A moment jumps into my mind from a, a race. It was years ago, we, Rob, my brother and I went over to Ohio to run the mini marathon at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And as we ran that race, there was this one guy who was my superior in age, probably 15, 20 years, that we just kept jockeying back and forth. And I would pass him, he would pass me, I'd pass him, he'd pass me, until finally we came down the, the final stretch, and there was this big hill that went out onto the, the, uh, the airfields, and I passed him for the last time in my mind. Like, forever behind me this guy is. I'm going to run, it's about a, a mile to the finish from once you hit the, the flats. But when we hit the flats, we also hit a headwind that absolutely demolished me, and I bonked. And as I'm bonking, you know what I'm hearing coming up behind me, his, this guy's footsteps. And he's just, and I'm, I'm preparing myself to hear him say, eat my dust, young fella. But uh, he, that's not what he said. He said, hey man, keep on. Don't quit. We can finish this. And I told him, I said, I'm out. I, I've got no more left in me. And he said, well, hop in behind me, I'll draft, I'll draft for you. And that guy pulled me home. And I still, that moment wrecked me. I went up after the race and I found him and just said, thank you so much. When somebody comes alongside of us in our race and when we're struggling and just says, I'm here to help you win the race, encourages us, means so much. But there's something in us as well that longs to come alongside each other and help, e- 
help someone else like that. And as we open up to the book of, or the letter of Philippians, we see a guy at the end of his journey who is an Olympian in the realm of pacing after Christ. As, as we watch Paul run his race, it's like this guy is absolutely flying. But as he writes to this church, it is a, a letter that is packed with encouragement. It's as if he, he's living these last moments to be wind in the sails of this church, but also of us as we follow Christ in our own journey. And so, we'll, uh, if you would, or it, and the question today, could anyone use a little encouragement in, in your journey, in your life journey, and in, specifically in your walk with Christ? And if, if that is you, the book of Philippians, it's going to be good. And so, join me. Philippians chapter 1 is where we'll start. Now, as we turn to this, this letter, a quick orientation of where this falls in the Word of God. And by the way, just a level set here, we believe this is the inspired Word of God. All, every, every bit of it, all 66 books that God inspired through His Holy Spirit people to write His, His Word in a way that, that continues to, to be applicable to our lives. Timeless truth, eternal truth. And we treasure this. I love the way Warren Wiersbe said it. He said, the Spirit of God dwelling within us uses the Word of God to transform us to be like the Son of God for the glory of God. That's how. That's why every week we're, we're here. This is, this is where the power of God is at. And Jesus said, we don't live on bread alone, but on every word spoken by God. And this is for the soul. The minute we stop living on this word, we start to atrophy. Our soul starts to wilt. So that's why it's important. I, I don't see this time on Sunday as... The feast that we, we all, you know, buffet on and then we just go until next Sunday. No, this is the appetizer that, that you uh, buffet on or, or that we eat. And then the feast is as you meet with the Lord throughout the week and just dwell with him in his word. He, he feeds us, doesn't he? Gives us that daily manna, daily bread that we, that we need through his word. But if you're new to the, the faith or you're coming back to church or you didn't grow up in church, when you come to the Bible, it can be tough. It can be challenging and, and intimidating at times like, how do I make sense of this? So I think it'd be good just to go back, do a quick overview. As you look at the different sections of Scripture, the one way to see it has really helped simplify it in my mind is this way. The whole, the first part of the Bible, Genesis all the way up till Job, is, is really the history of humanity and Israel. First 11 chapters of Genesis, the history of humanity, where we see origins. And then from chapter 12 on, it's the history of Israel, which was who? You talk about a dysfunctional, messed up family that God had grace on, right? You read their story, and like, this is a messed up group of people. But it's the people that God chose to redeem and restore the rest of humanity through Christ eventually. Genesis 12, the covenant to Abraham fulfilled in Christ. And so Israel's important, and that God keeps Israel going. We see how he keeps them going, and we learn lots as we see they, God uh, walk with Israel, and Israel try to walk with him. Okay, so you get the history of the humanity in Israel. Then it goes into the wisdom literature, right in the middle of the Bible. So when you open the middle, what do you have? You have Job, you have Proverbs, you have Psalms, you have Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. These are, this is a unique genre in that it's really taking a look at life um, through, through different people's eyes and, and lots of wisdom, lots of the Psalms. That, there's a whole book, 150 inspired songs that we're soundtracking this year and just precious genre of scripture right there in the middle but then after the psalms you have or the uh, 
the wisdom literature. Then you have the prophets. And this is the, the collection of guys who God spoke through them to Israel when they were Israel was wandering from God. So you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all the way down through. And we have the, the, the sermons, really, that they gave to Israel to get them back on track, which can be summed up in three things. Turn around, judgment is coming. If you don't turn from your way to God's way, and then hope. If you will turn to him, there is hope. And ultimately, there's the hope of Christ is going to come and help us all um, redeem us and keep us from wondering. So that's the Old Testament. Then you come to the New Testament, which starts with the life of Christ, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're going to start reading your Bible, if you're just coming to faith or coming back to faith, I recommend don't start in Genesis, start in John. And this is, this is the, uh, the, the new beginning, Jesus being the, uh, and, and work your way through. These were written for one purpose, John summarizes it, so that we might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that we might believe in him, and by believing in him, have eternal life, enter into this relationship with God. So we read the New Testament, um, and then we look back to the Old Testament, lots to learn in both, both important. But after the, the Gospels, the life of Christ, then you have Acts. And when, why is it named Acts? Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? The, the book of Acts is where the gift of the Holy Spirit is given, and the church goes. How does the church go? The Holy Spirit. And he continues to animate and orchestrate all that happens. He's our power. And so if you want an exciting book, the book of Acts may be the most action-packed in the entire Bible. So you have the Acts, but then you have the letters, and there's, when you think about the letters in Scripture, there's two kinds of letters. One, the ones that Paul wrote and the ones that everyone else wrote. The ones that Paul wrote, we have right after the book of Acts. And these are, okay, the church has been birthed, so now what do we do? We're not Israel. It's a different day. How do we live? How do we act? What, what do we do in this age? God inspired Paul to write letters to churches that we still have these letters that we can apply to our own lives. After Paul's letters, then you have all the other letters, the ones that James John, Peter, and, and those guys wrote. Does that help? See the whole Bible? And it really, it's not, you know, that when you see that, it's, it's not that complicated in terms of, but it is important to see that as we apply it to our lives. Because not every bit of scripture is equally ap- applicable to our lives. And one way that in Bible study, this is a Bible study course, but I'll, I'll crash it here. And just say, when we apply the Word of God to our lives, there's four quadrants to think about. The one is direct application, and I'll use Bible times and, uh, oop, messed up my graph. All right. So direct application, and this is where you have, we'll use the word, or the letter B for Bible times, and then C for contemporary. This is where you come to a scripture, like, take, take a, where Jesus said, a new command I give you, love each other as I've loved you. That's direct. That's to us. Totally applicable to us in our day. But then you have indirect application. These are principles in Scripture where the Bible times and our contemporary times have some overlap, but, but not complete overlap. So an example as you study Scripture would be this, where uh, in one of the Timothys, Paul says to Timothy, hey, come to visit me in prison as quick as you can and bring with you my coat and some parchments, the books, with you. Okay, we, we read that and we're like, okay, how do I apply this to my lives? Well, Paul's dead and we're not going to be bringing him. But what's the principle that comes out of that? 
as we study that. The principle is Paul needed Timothy, and he, he needed his books. And, you know, it's team, right? And we need each other. Paul needed him. We need each other. And so that's, and then the other is, uh, so that's indirect application. This would be implied, this quadrant. And again, Bible times and our times intersect here, and there's some application there in the, where they intersect. And you would take the book of Acts, for example. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to meet on Sunday. Sunday is resurrection day, the day Christ rose from the dead. So there's freedom to meet whenever we want to meet or whenever it's best, most convenient for the church to get together to meet. But we see in Acts, they met on Sunday. They met on the first day of the week. So there's a implied patterns. If indirect are principles that we follow, in the implied you have patterns. And then there's this quadrant where there's none no or no application. And this would be where the times, and we see these in Israel and the law. So the Bible times here, where we're at in the church, there are some parts of this that there's, abs- now it's still beneficial, the scripture that we have, all scripture is um, profitable for us, but the application to our lives is not, there's no connect. One example would be where the dietary laws in Levitic, Leviticus, where God gave his people laws like um, don't eat locusts or anything with shells on them. For us, in our day, we can do that. Why did God give those laws? And this is the profitable part. It was to keep his covenant people alive while they didn't have refrigeration. And there's a doctor who, who's written a book called None of These Diseases. He goes back and he looks at those dietary laws and just fascinated at the wisdom in that back in the day that God gave his people, the great physician, to keep them alive so that the, uh, ultimately the Messiah would come through them. So does that help a little bit? And as we come to Philippians, we're over here, one of the letters, and pretty neat. We have a letter that, that was written by Paul to a church to encourage them in their walk with Christ. And so with that in mind, we'll go ahead and, and jump into it. Oh, by the way, quick, uh, quick uh, resource thought. In terms of Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we have ones in front of you that you're, you're happy, free to take, or I mean, uh, welcome to take. If you don't have this, uh, or you version, this is one of the great resources out there. It's an app you can download. It's free, different versions you have on there. But our phone, we go, we take it with us everywhere, right? And so we're trying to soundtrack a psalm this month. It's Psalm 113. On the treadmill, I can just pull up Psalm 113, boom. And um, we've got the Word of God with us all the time. Another resource is Blue Letter Bible. For your Bible study, Awesome. This is, uh, you, takes you right back to the original Greek, Hebrew, explains it. It's got commentaries. One of the first sets of commentaries, that, that you, Matthew Henry, three volumes, huge, probably, I don't know, 60, 70 bucks. It's on here for free. So you punch in Philippians, and then you can see what Matthew Henry wrote about the verses that we'll be covering today. So Blue Letter Bible, and then this uh, Bible Project. I, everyone, I hear someone say, I'm just not a reader. Um, well, this is awesome resource that, that puts the Bible into where, where we can listen to it, but also see it. And what they've done, if you go into this and go to Philippians, click on that, there's a 10-minute summary of the entire book of Philippians. To, he's, they're drawing. And it is so neat, and it's on, spot on. Another resource to have in your, 
as you uh, dig into the Word of God, is a study Bible. A study Bible gives you the, the Bible, but then explanation underneath. And the one that's been voted award-winning, one of the best resources out there, I think 2009 was when it came out, was, is the ESV Study Bible. It's, it's a thick one. You could kill a bear with it, but great to have in your library and uh, as you do your own Bible study. And then if you have kids at home, this is a great resource that our women's ministry encourages, kids' ministry encourages, but uh, Robbie, Robbie and his uh, Galatee and his wife, Candy, their passion, the passion of their church is discipleship and really helping people grow up in faith. And isn't it awesome if you have kids to go back and reread the stories and really God disciples us all over again through our kids. And so this is a great thing to use for your family devotions and, and stuff like that. All right. Well, let's dig into Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 is where we'll start. Verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, or literally slaves of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. And he's looking at the church, say, well, okay, not sure I'm, I would be called holy, but the, the word is holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. So these are the people who have been set apart, come to faith in Christ to, uh, to be Christ in that community. And he says, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we open up this text, we see Paul, he's in Rome and he's in prison. So if you could just picture a guy in a dungeon, um, not the place that he wants to be. And he had helped start this church in Philippi 10 years earlier. So he knows these people, he loves them, they're close to his heart. Philippi was a colony of Rome, and Rome, power of the day, would send out 300 retired soldiers, 300 veterans and their families to establish colonies all over the Roman Empire. And this colony was strategic in that it was at the the entrance, really, if you were going to get from Europe to Asia, you would go through Philippi. And so Paul just happened to end up here in Philippi with Silas, helped launch this church I love that picture of it being a military outpost of Rome, because what do we often describe ourselves as, as followers of Christ? In our church family, we're an outpost of heaven, right? We're, when we gather together, it's a little taste of heaven on earth, but we're on mission, and, and we, uh, we have a purpose, and it's to follow Christ and to be a blessing to those around us as we steward the gospel, the good news, and let others know there's hope. God loves you. Christ died for you, and so it is for, for Philippi. But let's go ahead and read on verse 3. Here Paul opens up what he, what he wants to say. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so we open up this letter and what do we see? We see a guy in prison, but he's not having the pity party. He's, he's on his knees in prayer. And he's saying, every time I think of you guys and I start to pray, I fill up with joy. This big smile goes on my face or fills up in my heart, and I'm sure it came out in a, some sort of smile. Why? Because of your partnership or your fellowship, your team, teamwork in the gospel from the first day I knew you guys until now. And, and what's the truth that he's encouraging them with and, and that encourages us with as we read this text? The truth is, you have a team. As he begins talking, the first thing on his mind is, 
you guys, you've been teammates. You've been my partners in this. And of all the people that could have like a, a superhuman, you know, complex, it could be Paul. But here he's just celebrating the reality that this, this mission of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with, with the world, it, it's going to take a team. And it, we have a team. We're not alone. God is orchestrating this. He's bringing teammates together. And I love the way he starts the book, Paul and Timothy. And he doesn't say like, Paul the Apostle missionary, blah, 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 blah. And he does say, like, Timothy, my young son, my protege, my, my boy who will one day be there. It's Paul and Timothy, and what's his view of himself? I'm a slave of Christ. To, and then who's he talking to? He doesn't say, like, okay, I'd like to talk to these few elite leaders in the church in Philippi, to all of God's holy people in this church. Every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us a part of the team. How encouraging this must have been to them. And then, then he says, and what's given me joy is your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we say, what's the gospel? And we know that's a kind of a churchy word for good news. Euagalon. It's, well, what's the good news? It's that God loves you. He gave his son for you. And Paul nutshells it in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, Christ died for our sins. He died for what we've done to offend a holy God, died in our place. He rose from the dead three days later, and he promises eternal life, a right relationship with God, forgiveness of sin and eternity with God to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. This is the good news. And our job, our mission is we're here. Why are we still left as a colony of heaven on earth? It's to help each other distribute this good news, to share this good news. But we're not alone in it. We have each other. And how encouraging, and aren't you thankful as you think about your own life and your spiritual journey that someone was faithful to share this good news with you? I can imagine the, the church saying, Paul, actually, we're thankful for you <laughs> for coming that day and, and telling us. But Paul's saying, I'm so grateful for you. We have a team. You have a team. And the challenge today is to be encouraged with this truth. But also, who's a teammate that you can come alongside and encourage? To remind, just to say, hey, I see what you're doing, and I appreciate you. Often we have that thought in our head, but do we say it? You know? To say, hey, I appreciate your ministry in this way or, or that way. I, this week was reflecting back a couple weeks ago, a runner, a Kenyan runner, Elliot Kepchogi, did a... Uh, said, I'm going to go out and do something no one's ever done. I'm going to shoot to break the two-hour mark on a marathon. And um, this guy's been dominating the, the world of marathon for ten, the past 10 years. He's beaten everybody else, but he said, I don't want to just be the greatest in the world. I want to be the greatest in history. I want to, and his goal was to inspire everybody else to, you know, break your limits and, and go press on toward the prize. And as I was watching, saw pictures of this, and, and it was what fascinated me and what struck me was this. Look how he's running with the team, with the pack. Reverse V and then two guys behind him, I'm sure just, you know, encouraging and what have you. And then I thought, okay, that's right. And then this next picture, how did he make a run at this? That's the pacers that were a part of his journey. Think about your own life and the way God's put this together. How many people input? And the opportunity we have to help those we love Come around them and, and encourage and help set pace. But then I said, okay, is this just race day? 
digging deeper, this is his mindset, his philosophy. When he trains in Kenya, he runs with a team. It's, it's a team thing. And next picture gives us another picture where they're out there on the, the track going together. And then here's his quote. You cannot train alone and expect to run a fast time. There is a four. 100% of me is nothing compared to 1% of the whole team. And that's teamwork. And that's what I value. Isn't that awesome? And so it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We have a team. Be encouraged. And I today want to just, before the snow flies, take a moment to say thank you. And aren't we all grateful for the team that poured out their time and energy to keep our grounds looking great this summer? Out there when no one else was watching, they're out mowing the lawn, keeping this place looking good, which is the first impression for people who may not know about our church. And if you were on the mowing team, would you just stand and could we encourage you? Levi and others, all right. <laughs> Thank you guys and girls. And then if you are attempting to run without a team, and one of the toughest moments is when we move into transition from church to church or God moves us into a new community. Just know we would love to have you running on our team. There's a place for you here at Westbridge. And our passion is to follow Jesus into a life of love, help each other do that, all for the glory of God. And none of us are permanent, right? We're all here running temporarily, but what, however long God has us in a community, he wants us running with a church family. And so as a church, we want to help you with that connect. And I know it's tough. Connect 101 is our course or our seminar that, that's really the on-ramp. We offer it twice a year. The first offering is coming up next Sunday up in the middle school room, 9 o'clock, and encourage you to, if you don't have a church home, come um, just hang out with us for four weeks, and you can ask questions, find out what's going on. There's no pressure to, to join our church, but we want to facilitate knowing that that's God's, God's design, and so can find out what's going on and in a, a safe, fun environment. Uh, my brother Rob and Tyson lead the class, and we put it at 9 o'clock so you can get, come, come at 9, grab some coffee, donuts in between, and then come back to, to worship or come, come to worship together at 10.30. You can just show up for this class, but if you want to sign up so we can get a, a, for our uh, resources and what have you that we'll be handing out, you can just check Connect 101 on your the, uh, Connect card there and tear that off, drop it in the offering later in the service, and, and we'll be ready for you. But... Uh, all right, truth number one, encouraging truth, we're on a team. Now, as Paul is thanking the Lord for this team, who is he seeing? As he's, he's saying, I'm so thankful for you, your partnership, he's seeing some faces because he knows them. And what's neat is we get to see them too through Acts 16. Paul, when, when Paul launches this church or when God launches it through Paul, it is one of the most... Um, unique experiences. Paul is trying to go one way, and the door keeps closing, and then he has a vision one night, and it's this guy from Macedonia saying, come help us. And so he tells Silas and the team, we got to go over here. And so they show up in Philippi, not quite sure where to go, and in the, that day, people would have houses of prayer outside the city. So they go outside the city, no, no house of prayer, no place of prayer. But who's there? A bunch of ladies. So they just start talking with these ladies about the Lord. One of them is a wealthy businesswoman. Her name is Lydia. 
and she opens her heart and life up to Christ, receives the, the message of salvation, trusts Christ, she's baptized, and she tells Paul, you guys got to come to my house. And you almost fill in the text. He's like, no. Nah. He's like, no, I insist. Come to my house. God's probably given her means and a very nice house and place to house people. So she opens it up. And guess where the church in Philippi, guess where their building was? Lydia's house. You know, and pretty cool. Uh, so Paul and Silas are out sharing the gospel in the community. Well, there was this slave girl who had the ability to tell the future. And it was through a demon, through the darkness, through the evil of the, uh, a demon. Well, it was making great money for her masters who owned her. And because people were coming, giving money to have their future told. Well, in the text, it says she would follow Paul around and say, he, he's, what he's saying is true. Jesus is the Lord. And in a way that got on Paul's nerves until he finally said he cast a demon. He called the demon out of her. She was free from that. She could no longer tell the future, which made her, her masters mad. They pulled Paul and Silas in front of the rulers of the city, had them flogged, and thrown in jail. So you're like, all right, where's this going? Well, midnight, what's Paul doing? It says, Paul and Silas were singing hymns to the Lord. <laughs> and just, I, I always come to this and I think about the song. What, what were they singing? He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world, right? In his hands. And what happens? God sends an earthquake. <laughs> Opens up the prison doors. Paul says, don't anybody run. If somebody runs, the jailer dies. Roman jailer dies. Paul keeps them all in. The jailer comes up and says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And and that day, that whole household came to faith in Christ. So now you have a, a slave girl, a wealthy businesswoman, and a Roman jailer who we can only think might have been a bit on the rough side. There's your church. <laughs> and Paul's leaving town. It says Paul got, once he got out of prison, he goes back to Lydia's house, encouraged the saints, and then he left. Now, how do you think Paul's thinking, oh, man, next Sunday when this church gets together. Lydia has all her wealthy friends. Slave girl brings her friends. This Roman brings all his buddies. Whew. What do we do on Sunday morning? This church is in trouble, right? How are they, are they going to make it? Not only do they make it, they thrive. How? It's what he says next. Verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Who is doing the work of transformation in our hearts? The work of grace. Who, who is it that's helping us run our race? Helping us follow Christ, love as he loves, live as he lives. Who's doing any of that? Who opened up Lydia's heart? Who opened up, gave the power of, of the slave girl for that demon to be cast out? Who opened up the jailer's heart? Whose work is it? Who's working in your heart? The heart of your family, the heart of your friend, the heart of the person you're trying to help Come to faith in Christ. It's God. And what's he going to do? He's going to finish that work. The work of grace is not dependent on us, you guys. Now, we have to respond in faith. But even our faith is a gift of God so that we don't boast about it. And what, a, what an encouraging truth to, to just bask in today to know, okay, as I run this race, how many of us have failed this past week? <laughs> Man, alive. We fail all the time, ups and downs. 
but to know that even in our failures, God's grace is there and He is going to finish this work of making us like Christ. We're going we're gonna to cross the finish line and we will become like Him. And what a day that's going to be. He's going to finish the work until the day of Christ. And man, it just, it's, it's the finish line, right? Saying, guys, see the finish line. Let it encourage your heart. Aren't you thankful for God's work of grace in your heart, but also the hearts of the people that you love? Just know that that he's changing us and and transforming us day by day, step by step. So we get into his word, allow him to to speak to us, and then we surrender and we go. He's, He's changing us into the image of Christ. I don't know if you've lost hope in a relationship or um, maybe in your marriage or a relationship, maybe someone here in church, you've had conflict, but this is the truth that I think is so important to remember. If God is at work in someone's heart, he's going to finish that work. So rather than write people off, what do we do? We celebrate. God, thank you that you're working in their heart. And Lord, would you have your way in their heart? Move them, change them. If you are following Christ and you were here last Sunday, you are not the same person who is here today, right? And it goes for those around us. And what, a, what an encouragement to know God is changing not only me, but the people around me. And then we say, okay, what's the... What is this work that he's doing in our hearts? And what we have next is, I think, really the heart of this first section of this letter. There's, I don't think there's a way to overstate the importance of what we're about to read. And if Paul could boil down his prayer list for these people to one thing, and as you think about what you're praying over your heart and over the hearts of the people that you love, what if you could say, okay, this is the one thing I'm asking God for, what would it be? And we see it right here. Paul goes on and he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, all of you, since I have you in my heart. It's just like, I love you guys, whether I'm in chains here in prison or defending and confirming the gospel out and about. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ, with the, the love of Christ. And here it is. What's his prayer for them? And this is my prayer, that your love, It's the agape love, a love for God and a love for people, that your love would abound more and more so that it would be growing in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that good? Of all the things he asks, what's he ask? That your love would abound more and more. What an encouraging truth. Well, what is the one thing we're supposed to, what, what is it that guides our path and fuels our motives as we do life as Christians? It's love. It's what Jesus said in John 13, 34. Love you guys. It, love each other the way I loved you by this. The world will know that you're my disciples. And so Paul is praying this over the people in, in Philippi. But what a great prayer that for us to pray over the people that we know. I was thinking this week, as I see, you know, interact with people, I can have this prayer going on, Brad, Lord, I just pray that Brad's love would abound more and more. Lord, light him up, fill him up with your love. Why? Or, or first, 
What's that look like? Your love would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. What's that mean? Knowledge, understanding how we've been loved, understanding who we're loving, God. And and as we get into the Word of God, we we gain uh, clarity and and know-how on what it looks like to love and what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, we, we learn, okay, 15 marks of love. Love is kind and it's patient. It's not rude, not so, all those things. And so, so your love would abound more and more knowledge and depth of insight. What's that mean? How to live this out in my life, right? So that I might discern what is best. So what's it look like for me to love like God loves me, my wife? What's it look like for you to love the coworker or your teammate at church? The, in this situation, and it may mean not being like, eh, just nice, but mean loving them enough to speak truth, but, but doing so in a way that's humble and kind and helpful, right? So that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you might be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And here he's raising the shade on when Christ comes that we would be living ready to hear him say, well done. How's that going to happen as we follow the way of love? Pure and blameless on the day of, of, of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, you say, what's that? What's the fruit of righteousness? It's that idea of living a right life, doing the right things, making right decisions with the right heart, and that that would characterize our life through Christ for the glory of God. What's the end goal of life? It's his glory. How do we get there? The way of love. Love is our guiding ethic. Isn't this an encouraging truth just to soak in today? It simplifies it. Paul's like, guys, there's one thing I'm praying for you. And I just love it. We out and do life together that I can be like, Lord, I pray for Daniel this week. That his love would abound more and more in knowledge. That he'd see your love, Lord, and depth of insight. He'd understand how to love Lori and the kids. So that he may be able to discern what is best. How late to stay at work or when to come home. Or, or, uh, you know, when to say no and when to say yes, that, that the law of love would be guiding him and, and calling him. And, and, that, uh, and that just this idea that this week might be the week you come back and Daniel would live in a way to hear you say, well done, if this is his last lap. And we pray this prayer over somebody. Who are the people that you could pray this prayer over someone this week? And just, Lord, this is my one request, that your love would abound more and more. In our world of negativity, country divided, community divided right now, the school referendum, nothing like a tax hike to get everybody talking, right? Earthly matters. Roman colony, stuff that is going to be buried by dust, all these schools, our houses, if God, the Lord tarries, it's all going to be under dust, right? Earthly matters, but important matters, and we need to be able to verbalize our positions on them, and, and we pray wisdom, and, and with the school referendum, there's great people on both sides and, and arguments on both sides, but what's the one thing as followers of Jesus Christ we bring to it? It's love. There is no earthly conflict that can touch the supernatural, eternal love that God's put in our hearts and called us, go shine. Go show them what it looks like to to argue passionately for your position, but love the other person who differs passionately with you.
and love them the way Christ loves you. That's our that's how we shine. By this the world will know that you're my disciples. And I love there's a moment that uh, sports writer Steve Russ uh, oh man, what's his name? Yeah, Steve Russian interviews Buck O'Neill. He was a a legend in the baseball world in the Negro Leagues back in the day, I think 40s, 50s. He became the first African-American manager for the, the uh, Cubs in the 60s. 91 years old, guy's full of life and love. And so Steve's trying to get to it, and he, the secret, he said, what's the secret to a life well lived? And Buck said, joked, was joking around with him for a while and just said, good jeans, good black don't crack. You know, and he's going on and throwing out a few more of these things. And then, then he leans up and he, he says this. My dad told me early on, don't hate people. And he, he develops that. And he says, well, wait a minute. Your grandpa was a slave. You're telling me not? He goes, no. His dad told him most people are good. It's just that the good people let the bad people have their way. But who was it that stood with, uh, you know, with Jackie Robinson? It was Pee Wee Reese from Louisville, Kentucky. And he went on and talked about Abraham Lincoln. And, and he gets to the end. And they've been bouncing back and forth a bit. And finally, Steve says, Buck, what's the secret? And he leans up, takes his arm, and he half whispers, it's love, man. It's love. Echoing the words of our Lord, a new command I give you, love each other. Power is through him, but that's our way. That's our motive. And that's what we encourage each other to do. So what's the takeaway? If you think about Philippians 1, 1 to 11, Paul on his knees, and what's he doing? He's praying for these people. But he's encouraging them. He's giving them three encouraging truths. One, you're on a team. Two, God will finish the work he's done. Three, you know the way to go. Follow love as your ethic. So the takeaway today for us is be encouraged, but also who can you encourage? Who can you put some, some wind in their sails as you go out and, and uh, do life? Pray the prayer. Lord, may, the love, may their love abound more and more. And so we have this video clip of Elliot running the race. Did he make it? Did he, did he break two hours? And as he's running, this is the last stretch, but he's had this team around it reminding us that it's a team. If he's going to make it, it was the team helping him. There you see him cheering him on. Does he have the power? I think about what's our power? It's God's spirit working in us, and is God going to see us across the finish line? He will. He's looking pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> After 26 miles, I think he's got the power seeing the finish line. What's his way? What's the route he's taking? What's the route we're called to take? This road is the way of love. I'm running. I'm pressing down this path as followers of Christ. This is our road. Jesus ahead of us took up his cross said, come follow me. People around us cheering, encouraging each other, and running through the finish line. Is he going to make it? Are you going to make it? Breaking two? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else want to go run a marathon right here? No, but, but uh, we do have a race to run called the gift of life. And the Lord may be back end of this week. May we run this race for his glory. But knowing we have a team, he'll finish his work. And the way of love is the path that he's called us to. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you for your word to us today. Thank you for this encouragement. And just to, to hear you through Paul 
Remind us of these truths, Lord, is so good. I thank you for the team that you've assembled here at Westbridge, and just pray this week that we would be an encouragement to each other, that we would just uh, rise up as a team and, and follow you down this way of love as a unit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.